Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Scouting 5, recapping scouting news from around the world for the week of November 21st, 2022. I'm Scouter Ken, and I am once again recording from St. Albert, Alberta. organization of the scouting movement continues to grow. They've just welcomed their 173rd member nation, quoting scout.org. World Scouting, on the 24th of November, welcomed the Antigua and Barbuda Scout Association, ABSA, as the 173rd member organization of the World Organization of the Scout Movement. ABSA has been active as an overseas branch of the Scout Association in the United Kingdom since the early years of scouting and has had a dedicated presence at major national and international events, including the 2019 World Scout Jamboree. Founded in 1913, ABSA has full government support with the island nation's governor-general, His Excellency Sir Rodney Williams, also serving as its chief scout. This backing has been crucial in ongoing projects, such as the establishment of ABSA's headquarters and campgrounds. Marking this milestone event, Sir Williams said... Antigua and Barbuda's Scout Association is one of the oldest organizations in our twin island nation. ABSA's longevity and work with youth for over a century has been accompanied with a positive national profile. And just skipping ahead here a little bit, ABSA joins the world's leading educational youth movement following a recommendation by the World Scout Committee earlier this year. It becomes WASM's latest member organization in Inter-America, one of the largest of the movement's six scouting regions. Across the Caribbean, there is similar potential for incredible growth. As an area of high priority, World Scouting will work closely with ABSA to support its membership expansion through growth plans and the development of a comprehensive growth strategy. After gaining independence from the United Kingdom in 1981, Antigua and Barbuda became a member of the United Nations. Its commitment to the UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the achievement of the 17 Sustainable Development Goals provides unique opportunities for ABSA's scouts, to support the Scouts for SDGs initiative, the world's largest coordinated youth contribution to the SDGs. The Caribbean country is also a member of the Commonwealth of Nations. Meanwhile, over in Java, a reminder that, you know, as great as it is for Scouts to get out and do their own activities, camps, hiking, and all the rest, they also are a community organization who can and should spring into action when their community is hit with crises. Quoting Scout.org yet again. After a 5.6 magnitude earthquake hit Sianjur district of the West Java province of Indonesia on Monday afternoon, scouts around the devastated areas grabbed their scout negerchief, vest, and gears and proceeded to help people in the evacuation site and also assisted in search and rescue operations. Some senior rovers took charge in renovating the water channel near the presidential palace at Sipanas, around 26 kilometers from Sianjur, and helped motorists overcome road blockages caused by landslides during the earthquake. This included fast response by humanitarian actors from other parts of Java and the whole of Indonesia to come to the affected areas in Siandra district. While in the district, scouts, mostly rovers, senior rovers, and scout leaders, not only came from Siandra itself, but also from other cities and towns near the region. For the first two days of the disaster, scouts helped search for earthquake victims who were still buried in rubble or missing. As of the writing of this article, Wednesday afternoon, 23rd November, there were 268 confirmed dead and 151 still missing, as reported by Indonesia's National Agency for Disaster Countermeasure. Due to fears of aftershocks, people did not return to their homes, and Indonesia's Ministry of Social Affairs established 1,000 large tents in affected districts to ensure that people are safe. Public kitchens were set up near the settlements, and scouts helped in the public kitchens by cooking and distributing food to the evacuees. 
And speaking of humanitarian crises, of course, there is still the ongoing conflict in Ukraine with the attendant displacement of millions of people there. And scouts have risen to respond to that crisis as well. We've covered a few such stories over the last few months of Scouting 5, in as much as I've been doing Scouting 5 episodes over the last few months. But here is one more, and again, quoting scout.org. Youth in scouting have been volunteering for months to ensure that Ukrainian families have access to basic necessities such as food, water, shelter, clothes, and protection after fleeing the war. To continue providing critical care and to support Ukrainian children and families, UNICEF and the Scout Movement launched a regional partnership in April, enabling both organizations to scale up their responses to make sure that support reaches those who are in need. More than 7.8 million people have fled the escalating violence in Ukraine to find safety and refuge in neighboring countries while over 6.5 million have been displaced from their homes within Ukraine. During the first six months of the project, together with UNICEF, over 10,500 scouts have been supporting Ukrainian children and families in Poland, Hungary, Romania, Moldova, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Latvia, and Lithuania, while also carrying out activities in Ukraine to address the needs of internally displaced families and children. A mid-year report provides an overview of how scout volunteers and UNICEF have reached over 800,000 Ukrainians in these first six months, of which 270,000 are children and adolescents. It takes a closer look at each neighboring country's youth-led humanitarian response activities. The activities led by scouts since April include the provision of accommodation, translation, and the distribution of essential items, establishing daycare centers and psychological first aid. More information and stories about this work can be found in the Scouts Diary, and I'll make sure that there is a link to that in the show notes. Meanwhile, over here in North America, we're not currently facing any major natural disasters or wars or any such things, but it still is the case that there are people here who are in need, and scouts can definitely step up in ways to help them. Quoting Up North Live out of Clare County, Michigan. When it comes to the kitchen, baking is a skill which can take an awfully long time to perfect. A small group of Clare County scouts didn't have a lot of time to learn those skills, but the end result was still impressive. Sometimes in life, you just have to roll up your sleeves and get to work, and the scouts of Troop 695 and Pack 3695 did that just this week. They gathered and collected all of the essentials that you would need to make a full Thanksgiving feast, including the turkeys. But the meal wasn't just for themselves. In this case, they are putting the meals together for families in their schools. Now, they don't necessarily who this is going to. That's all done discreetly through the school system. The meals are collected and packaged for classmates who have, they have no idea who they are, but they know they will have a meal. And even though I don't have an article about this this week, um, but since I'm recording this on what is U.S. Thanksgiving, hopefully there have been scouting for food activities in your area if you've been listening to this in the United States. And if not, hopefully they will be, you know, ongoing soon and into the new year. Uh, Scouting for food is an absolutely great thing. If you have a chance to support it, you totally should. And this isn't maybe the best story to end on, but it is something that I wanted to actually reflect on just a little bit um, based on my own recent experiences taking my daughter's scouts out camping, uh, attending a couple of the camps that they've been to recently. Some sad news first for Scouts Canada out of British Columbia, quoting the Coast Reporter. Scouts Canada has closed Camp Bing indefinitely while the organization works on an operational plan amidst issues with maintenance and declining use. Camp Bing has been struggling with declining use and significant maintenance requirements over the course of many years. Due to this, the camp remains closed, according to Kaylee Canoza, Director of Change and Strategy for Scouts Canada. The sprawling Roberts Creek property 
located at 2139 Lower Road along BC's Sunshine Coast, is used regularly as a meeting place for the 6th Roberts Creek Scout Group, and its closure appears to have taken some of the local scouts by surprise. A November 12th group newsletter notified its readers that the camp was closed until further notice and directed Cub Scouts to meet at the Roberts Creek Legion over the winter, beginning November 28th, for its Monday meetings, followed by Cliff Gilker Park or other outdoor locations starting in May. Scott Lennox, chair of the Camp Bing Committee, a volunteer group responsible for long-term planning and camp oversight, told the Coast Reporter in an email that it should only be a short-term closure as the organization works on its business model, and the Camp Committee hopes to have it open in the spring. But Scouts Canada did not provide a closure date or anticipated reopening date to the Coast Reporter, at least not when this article was written. Now, it's not unusual to hear these sorts of stories. We've seen them many, many times already. Um, both out of America and here in Canada. And I mean, even from like overseas, scout properties getting sold off or shuttered or some combination of both, right? Cut back, uh, selling off parts of their land while retaining other parts. It's an unfortunate aspect of the reality in the scouting movement in a lot of places right now. Properties are expensive to maintain. They really are. And, you know, because it's not just trimming the lawn and making sure that the paths are well maintained you know there's if there's buildings well buildings need to be kept up because nature is constantly trying to reclaim <laughs> uh reclaim itself uh and you know buildings that do not receive proper up cake up keep pardon me um i guess i want cake weird anyways buildings that don't receive proper upkeep you know they can develop mold and, and other structural issues um Shingles need to be replaced. Sometimes windows too. Vandalism is always a concern when you have properties that are not continuously occupied. Uh, People can come in and break the windows and jimmy the locks and whatever else. Water systems need to be maintained, that sort of thing. So properties are definitely like they're a huge expense for any organization to maintain. And it does make sense in a certain way that properties would be sold off or shuttered or whatever else um, just as a cost saving measure, if nothing else as unfortunate as that is. The best case scenario for selling off a property, of course, is when another group can take it on, right? Like we sold off um, the Ernest Poole Scout Camp to the Mormon Church, and they still use it as a youth camp. And we used to at least be able to book the space, although I think that was only a limited time agreement. So I don't know if we're still able to book what is now called the Tanner Camp um, for use for scouting activities. But at least for a while we could, and like as not, the property is still being maintained as a camp, unlike the Skeleton Lake camp that I used to go to as a cub, which is now lakefront condos. That's a less good outcome. But where I want to reflect on this a little bit is the fact that, you know, we've taken now my daughter's scout group out twice for weekend camps, and both times we've actually used area girl guide camps. Uh, One, Tangle Trees on Pigeon Lake, and then most recently... um, Another one northwest of Edmonton on Sandy Lake. And these are wonderful properties. Like, they're so well kept. Um, it, it actually almost makes me a little bit upset uh, at Scouts Canada and the property management that Scouts Canada has done or failed to do. You know, when I compare something like the Tangle Trees Camp and how well-maintained it is with something like Camp Woods on Sylvan Lake and how into disrepair Camp Woods had fallen. And I know like I can't, you know, you can't put the blame for that at Nationals feet. You can't really necessarily even put the blame for that entirely at like the feet of Northern Lights Council or Chinook Council, right? The two scouting councils here in Alberta. Um, 
it's a much more complicated problem than just, you know, being able to say of any one element of Scouts Canada's organizational structure, oh yeah, that, that's your fault, that's on you. No, it's not like that. But it is still disappointing to, you know, see the disrepair that Camp Woods was obviously falling into and how decrepit its water system was and all of that stuff. And then you go to Tangle Trees, which is not that far, like Pigeon Lake and Sylvan Lake are not that far apart, geographically speaking. And Tangle Trees is immaculately well kept. The buildings are in great shape. It's got a full water system, all of that stuff. And, and Sandy Lake, much the same. Um, I don't know much about like, you know, the fee structure for guides. I don't know much about the financial solvency of the guiding organization versus the scouting organization. So I don't really have any idea why the guides are so much better or seem to be so much better at property management and maintaining properties for in good condition for use. Um, but they do kind of seem to be. I don't know if that's true of the Girl Scouts in the U.S. or not. We have certainly heard stories about Girl Scout camps getting sold off. But at least up here, at least here in Alberta, it does seem like the Girl Guides are really kind of kicking Scouts' butts when it comes to maintaining good properties, good-for-use properties. And, you know, it would be nice to know what the magic is there that um, allows for something like a Tangle Trees to stay operational and in good maintenance versus a Camp Woods falling into disrepair. So like I say, it's a bit of a dour note to end on, but there it is. Um, it's just been something that's been on my mind lately. And, you know, that might also signal a bit of a direction change for how I do these news episodes. I may just go back to, instead of having dedicated Scouting Fives, just do, like, you know, on weeks where I can't meet up with Scouter Colin, um, just doing solo episodes where, you know, I'll pick, like, a news story or a couple of news stories and just go into, like, a deeper dive on those stories and some of the concepts that they touch on. I don't know. Still thinking about it, but well, you'll find out soon enough whatever I decide. For now, thank you for listening and until next time, be prepared. Be prepared.